Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about viral videos, going live and an interview with Tracy Walsh from the East End Community Foundation. Welcome to this week's Kindness Project. I'm joined by the man who coordinates everything but his socks. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? means that you have control of everything and you're always wearing odd socks. I do I do wear odd socks quite a lot. I'm joined by the girl who, if she was a viral video, she'd either be the Harlem Shake or cats playing pianos. It's Charlotte Danes. How are you doing, Charlotte? Why the Harlem Shake? Oh, have you ever seen the Harlem Shake? Yes, I love the Harlem Shake. It's hilarious. I, I think you're like the Harlem Shake because one minute you're quite serene and then suddenly you're boom, boom, boom. You're like, surrounded. People. Yeah, you're surrounded by people. So I think you're either cats playing p- pianos or the Harlem Shake. Why cats is, playing pianos? Don't know. Just because it's my favourite viral video, to be honest. And no, I, I, I like the. I you're like the you're video. one of my favourite people. That's why. Aww. No, I like the video of the dog, and he goes. Love you. I haven't seen that. Oh, no, it's a, a dog, a dog that goes. Love you. Oh, right, okay. So you'll have to you'll have to show me that. But how are you doing this week? Not bad, not bad. Should we should we just share the embarrassing story of why we had to restart the, <laughs> the podcast? You'll notice, or you won't notice if you're listening to this on the podcast, but you will if you check out our YouTube channel that this is the first introduction for the podcast we've recorded for video. Um, and I we're recording at home. What a lovely wall. <laughs> Nice blank home-based wall. We're recording at home, um, and you can probably, if you're if you're listening to the podcast really closely, you might hear the dog in the background. Now it's been quiet at the minute, um, but he did bark, um, and I made the comment, Charlotte, doesn't he realise we're recording a podcast? Why is the dog barking? Now I, I don't know whether that makes any sense at all. It obviously doesn't, but. Um, just called the dog a bog and he was darking and he was darking so that was a good start to the podcast wasn't it charlotte how's your week been so far not bad not bad but it's only monday it is only monday um and what do you think the rest of the week's going to be like meh bit of rain bit of sun bit of cold okay great britain (laughs) great britain awesome i don't think that dog could make any more noise does he when we were recording the podcast, suddenly, suddenly he sounds like Mr. T. He's just got like, this massive chain round his neck. I don't know if you, I don't know if you, you can hear it, listeners, but he does. Our dog just sounds like I pity the fool who interrupts my shaking around. Um, we might get him, we might lift him up and show him on the podcast. We, we might <laughs> the circle of life. Um, that might be good. That might be good. So. So we've now we've got a few thousand listeners. <gasps> we, daunting. I know, it is quite daunting, but now we've got over a thousand listeners. <laughs> a few um, thousand. <laughs> a thousand. Um, shall we share how people can get in touch with us? Oh yeah. Um, at Ola Kindness. Okay. That's on Twitter. Um, do you know the Facebook one? So I'll leave that one to you. Uh, yeah, I do. And we got in trouble by our silent editor who said, You never mentioned the Facebook group, so we better mention it, right? Yeah, so it's www.facebook.com forward slash holokindness. 
and we've got a website you know www.thekindnessproject.co.uk um you can phone charlotte on her own personal mobile <laughs> no, no, no we're not going to share that that's no. that's certainly not fair no, don't call me up when i'm at school yeah yeah don't call her on her cell phone that's that's certainly not fair but would you like to know what this week's is there a jingle for this <laughs> i don't know i'm gonna make one up <laughs> gonna do it question of the podcast it's not bad not enough coffee in that particular intro, but no, we're, we're working no, it. We're I working it. Oh God, for your. Yeah, <laughs> I was just. I literally. I was just clearing my throat. Um, so, question of the podcast: as it, as this is the first ever kindness project introduction that we've Films. ever recorded, is what is your favourite viral video? Now you've already shared yours, haven't you? Um, a dog saying i love you um which is all good not a dog barking and then it's owner going can you stop that dog barking um but a dog saying i love you is is good enough but what's your second favorite viral video i don't know i don't watch a lot of viral videos um i think it might be the one i was actually talking to someone on the bus about this morning um where it's the squirrel and he goes alan alan now that is. I don't know if that counts as a uh, video. Alan, Alan, Alan. That's actually Steve. Steve, Steve. So that is a brilliant video. I love that video. Um, so maybe I think Charlotte's just highlighted what my favourite viral video is. Uh, a squirrel. Is it a squirrel or is it a chipmunk? I don't know. It's one of the two. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But um, we'll uh, we'll share those on the show notes, listeners, so you uh, so you can ever watch. Yeah. But this is question of the podcast. We have got one of the most uh, engaged audiences ever. They always... Uh, <laughs> you're part of it, because if you're watching this, yeah. you're part of the audience. Um, you always get involved in answering the question of the podcast. So feel free to get involved, get involved. and answer the... Even now, if you're, li- if you're watching this on YouTube, yeah. you can add YouTube comments now. That'd be awesome. Um, YouTube comments. Uh, <laughs> That's new. That's new. It's not new. But YouTube's been around for years, but for us, for it's donkey new. Years. For donkeys, for us, it's, it's new. Um, what is your favourite viral, viral video? video? So we'd really like to, uh, to to know. So all being said, all being said, should we get on with the show? Yep. So it's that time again. Ooh, let me do it. Let me do it. <clears throat> Kindness. <laughs> Stranger edition. Now, is this a Stranger Things edition? Is this? No, it's an article I found about a stranger's random act of kindness. Oh, very nice. Tell us about it. Random act of kindness brings a smile to the faces of ice cream lovers in Crick Howell. Okay. A random act of kindness and a dollop of something cr- cold and creamy put the springing in Crickwell's step last sa- Sunday when visitors to the town were treated to lashings of free ice cream. Oh, lashings, that's a good word. I know. That's a good description for ice cream as well. Lashings of free ice cream, I like that. Free ice cream, you scream. How so? Well, it was all... Free ice cream? <laughs> well, I didn't scream free ice cream, but if you would have given me a chance, I would have. Uh... Say that again. Free ice cream, you scream. Free ice cream. How so? Well, it was all courtesy of a stranger's philanthropic gesture. <laughs> I like that word. Oh, like Last that. week, what, a mysterious... Uh, gesture or philanthropic? Philanthropic. Is it as good as lashings? I think they work equally well together. Uh, we, we are... Uh, I think we're coming up with a future question of the podcast as in what's, what's your favourite underused word philanthropic Philanth- philanthropic is a great word yeah these words are also underappreciated ooh another one 
Yeah. Um, a kindly visitor who fell in love with, with the old world charm of Crook Howell felt there was no better way to celeb- celebrate the little Poe's t- town than to sweeten the, the experience. What town? P-O-W-Y-S. Powys. Ah, okay. I wasn't sure how you pronounced that or what it even meant. Okay. <laughs> sweeten the experience of everyone who paid a visit to Crook Crickwell's Pavlova coffee shop. Last week, a mysterious envelope arrived at Pavlova, stamped with a Manchester postage mark. Upon opening the little package, the Pavlova team was shocked to discover it contained £2,000 and a letter which read, Can you please give a free ice cream to the first 22 people who ordered an no, ice cream on that. April 22nd? I've enclosed the money that should cover this. I wonder what the relevance of April 22nd is, or are you going to tell us? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I've enclosed the money that should cover this. If there's anything left over, please put balance in the collection pot. Can you please give out the notes to the people who get the free ice cream? Thanks. And on the day when the sun was high and the skies were blue, customer after customer ordered their creamy desires, only to be told, your money is no good here, these ice creams are on the house. Mm. As you can imagine, such unexpected generosity was met with squeals of delight. Upon the benevolent <laughs> benefactors... Squeals of request... ice cream and squeals of delight. <laughs> Much like the squeal that you've just made. I don't know why. Was that a laugh? Was that a squeal? Was that the sound of a... It was a laugh. The sound of a drowning rabbit? I don't know. All three. (laughs) Upon the benevolent benefactor's request, the ecstatic ice cream lovers were also given little notes which read, Your ice cream today has been paid for you by a random act of kindness. I have no collection with Pavlova other than a regular visit to Crickwell Howell ever area every summer it's a beautiful area hope you enjoy your ice cream and share the love after gorging themselves senseless on ice cream beaming punters took to twitter to share their euphoria mikey goodman tweeted just got back to crickhow from a night out in bristol called into pavlova coffee for an ice cream only to find out it had already been paid for by a kindly ice cream based philanthropist Claire Claire Priest wrote, My son has just received a random act of kindness thanks to Pavlova Coffee. What a wonderful concept and certainly teaches great values and behaviours. Apparently, it was a lovely ice cream. Orange fruit ice. There, thank you, whoever you are. Pavlova manager Claire Stevens told the Chronicle, We gave away somewhere between 40 to 50 free ice creams on that day. Everyone who got one was very pleasantly surprised. It was a lovely gesture and we were very honoured to have been picked for such a welcome random act of kindness i love that just uh, the simple act of just saying here's some free ice cream it's 200 quid is, oh no two grand wasn't it no it's 200 quid oh okay it's 200 pounds here's please do give everybody who walks in today a free ice cream yep. i've never heard of an orange ice have you no, I'll have to try it next time I'm out. Well, next time I'm in the Welsh town of... Um, Crick Howell. Crick Howell. I don't know if that's... We've offended all of our Welsh listeners by mispronouncing that. Sorry. We've, we've already done that with uh, a lot of Midlanders. By going to Stop try... it. Oh, stop it. I won't do the Birmingham accent. Um, but I love that act of kindness. Number one, because... The article was exquisitely written using obviously a thesaurus to <laughs> to put in as many emotive words as possible. But also number two, it contained ice cream. And number three, it was such a simple idea but gave people a bit of joy. What did you think of it, Charlotte? Oh, it's amazing. If I walked into a coffee shop and they and I went You'd scream, to... you'd squeal, you'd be uh, ecstatic. I, I'd be overjoyed and I'd be expressing my mo- my emotions vocally through song. <laughs> um, no, what song? Um, some really, really happy song. Uh, uh, 
Walking on sunshine. There walking we go. On I'm walking on sunshine. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the free ice cream. Whoa. So that was that was this week's kindest news. So we've got one of our awesome interviews this week. Ooh, who's the interviewee? It's with Tracy Walsh from the East End Community Foundation. Yup. And the East End Community Foundation do brilliant work. Brilliant. No, genuinely, I don't know why you're repeating brilliant. They they do really good work helping and supporting people in the East End. And they do that in a number of ways. And Tracy talks us through the ways they do that. In this interview, we talk about uh, making sure that when you give, you have an impact. We talk about yep. philanthropy, which yep. I know you love the word philanthropy, don't you? I don't know why. I don't know why I have such a strange obsession with it. I don't even know what it means, 100%. Yeah, so we talk about philanthropy, which is all about charitable giving. Mm. We're talking about how the uh, East End Community F- Foundation has a fund that does great work. Yep. And we talk about questions of the podcast and how Tracy couldn't think of a good bit of trivia. <laughs> So should we get on with the interview? Yes. So I'm uh, I'm joined today by Tracy. How are you doing, Tracy? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Really good. Um, and we're gonna um, we're gonna have a little chat today about uh, the work that the East End Community Foundation do and uh, and your role within it. So yeah. tell us a little bit about you. Um, so I'm the chief executive of the East End Community Foundation. Okay. And uh, my whole career has been in community regeneration okay. um, and tackling inequality and poverty. Okay. And uh, and it's not that I'm not good at it, it's just that it really takes <laughs> a long takes time. takes a while, it yeah. It does, it really does, yeah. I suppose with community it. regeneration, you are playing the long game, aren't you? You are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Definitely. And you never quite know, no matter how many times you go through it, community regeneration, you never know what the impact is going to be on that community. Go gotcha. Every community is different. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you're always watching and learning. Yeah. So, Especially, I'd imagine, especially in somewhere like the East End, where you've seen a fundamental change over the last 40 years, yeah. that's got to be quite interesting, right? Yeah, it's really interesting. And most of my expertise used to be in Tower Hamlets. Okay. And then back in 2012, we extended to cover Hackney and Newham. Okay. And just working in those two boroughs really sort of refreshed and sort of, gotcha. you, know, it re, you know, yeah, it, it just gave me a new sort of lease of life, really, because... The issues that they face in each borough are identical, pretty okay. much. Um, but each borough, um, it's really based on the local authority, but tackles them very differently. So for us, it's been really great just to understand, you know, get a better understanding of good practice. So what we know now works really well in Hackney, we can now share with those into Hamlets and okay. Newham and vice versa. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so it's been a really interesting How much of your work, just out there, how much of your work is uh, with a local authority and how much is with charities and how much is with benefactors? You know, how, how your week split yeah so it's probably for for the organization it's probably a third a third and a third okay for me i spend a lot more time with donors yeah now, rather than on the grant side and with local authorities i mean we try to engage local authorities because they're such a big player in the borough yeah, yeah um but again they they approach deprivation and and the issues in their borough in a very different way and sometimes yeah. we agree and sometimes we don't agree okay. and you know there's never enough resource so what they might see as a priority we don't okay and sometimes that works really well because we can then agree that these two things are priorities and they're going to focus on one and we'll encourage our donors to focus on the other yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know you get the best of both worlds yeah, sometimes yeah. 
Um, but yeah, and then we've got a grants team, and so they spend a lot more time now with the voluntary sector, so I do less of that. But uh, we're actually just working on a government programme now, and I'm doing some grant assessing, so okay. I'm sort of back to my old... Um, yeah, so a bit rusty, so... <laughs> and how do, you, how do you work out... How you, I mean, that's got to be difficult, because... How do you work out who you're going to give money to? I mean, that's like that's quite an interesting process, yeah, right? We've always said that it's really easy to give money away, but it's really <laughs> difficult to do it well. Honestly, yeah, because it's yeah, you, you get a lot of good applications. And yeah. I think you get a lot of not so good applications. Gotcha. You know, charities gotcha. are no different to anybody else. Yeah. Some are great, some are yeah. awful, some are you know, some are fantastic, um, some are a work in progress. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so for us, it's which is why we work with donors so closely to help them create sort of a very clear grant criteria so that when we look for applications we're yeah. very clear or groups are very clear on what we expect the end result the impact to be otherwise everyone applies it's gotcha. like you know open the so the know, criteria the needs to be quite tight but does that tend to put off smaller charities because they haven't got the resource to potentially tender i think yeah, it can do, and I think that's where community foundations play a part. And for us, it is about having that balance. Okay. So we have grants of all different sizes. Yeah. So you can apply yeah, yeah. for what we call our small grants, which are up to £800, and they can be for anything and everything, really. Gotcha. So you could apply for a Christmas party or a new computer. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they're really key to those small organisations. Gotcha, yeah. And then you can apply at the other end of the scale. So this current programme that we're assessing grants on is up to 50000 Gotcha. Um, and then you're going to get the larger. And you get the ones in between, I think, probably struggle a little bit yeah. and decide actually or we might think actually they're a bit too big for those small grants yeah. I'm sure yeah, they yeah. could buy that computer themselves yeah. and yet they've not quite got the, got the structure in place yeah, to tender for the larger ones yeah so, so it's the ones in the middle that tend to gotcha. sort of struggle but and, so. and tell, tell me I mean I know you've been doing this for a few years yeah um what still drives you to get up in the morning and, and do this? Yeah, it's just seeing the impact. It's, it's a bit of both, really. It's seeing the impact that the groups can have. Yep. It really is about localised services make a local difference. Yep. Um, so there's nothing wrong with the big charities. You know, they're, they're brilliant, but they are a bit of a machine. And I think they can lose sight of the beneficiaries. Yeah, uh, yeah, gotcha. Small charities know their beneficiaries, you know, know where they live. They know them inside out. So actually can tailor their services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the flip side is working with donors. So it's really, really just sort of satisfying to work with people that want to make a difference in the gotcha, community. So gotcha. we're sort of that hub. We're in the middle. We're linking the yeah, two. Yeah, so we yeah. get to see both sides. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's really what keeps me that's, motivated. That's really interesting. And in terms of the, the donations you receive... Um, where do they typically come from? Do they come from people who live in the East End and work in the East End or big organisations that are based in Tower Hamlets, Hackney and Newham? Yeah, so it's a real mix. I would say, though, predominantly businesses... Um, okay. is where the money comes from. So we help them form their CSR budgets yeah. um, and their criteria. So it yeah. can help from sort of the very start when they're just sort of saying we're relatively small, we want to do something, where do we go from here? We can help them right through that entire process. Um, some people come to us knowing exactly what they want to do. They just don't okay. know the groups. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they've got a huge budget and we'll just help them with a proportion yeah. of that. And then at the other end of the scale, we've got local residents or people that have moved into the area. Mm. And I think what's really interesting and, and sort of really satisfying is that it feels like it's a big, mean world out there and people are quite sort of selfish and, you know, don't communicate and everyone's on their phone and everyone's busy. 
But actually, the amount of people that we just come across sort of engage, I would say, light touch, you know, it's like, come and see this or let me just... And once they hear about the needs on their doorstep, they're totally engaged, which is... um, So it's really nice. So, yeah, so we get everybody. And at the end of the day, everybody, whether we're dealing with a big company or a resident, you know, they're all people. And they do all react exactly the same way. I I think it's an interesting one. I think um, uh, I I tend to live my life with rose-tinted glasses on quite intentionally. Um, And I think you just see more of what you choose to focus on, right? So I like to think I see the good in people. People purely mm-hmm. simply because I'm focused on that, and I'm not. I'm not naive enough to uh, like sort of uh, to ever say the world isn't or can be dangerous or scary or any of that sort of stuff. But I think yeah, you choose to focus on the good, and and you just see more of it, don't you? Just yeah, like sort of definitely, yeah. and I think that's exactly the case. And I think when people do see it, even if it wasn't on their horizon beforehand, yeah. once they're introduced to it, yeah. they see yeah. it, and it's that yeah. 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 yeah, must be quite cool being the person who introduced them, though. I mean, how do, how do you get to meet these people? Yeah, and again, through all walks of life, really. So mm. some people just approach us, and they've been recommended. Yeah, again, yeah. So we yeah. do um, events throughout the year. So again, we come across sort of new people. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like that and then say it's it's generally it's always word of mouth so we're gotcha. not a sort of cold calling organisation yeah, yeah, don't you don't advertise way. or anything no, like that no it's yeah, all yeah. sort of through recommendations yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah you just build up your network over the you years do. And, yeah, you do. and people sometimes come out of that network and then 10 years later they're, they're doing in, something you know, else life changes yeah, you know, job yeah. changes but generally they come back yeah. in some shape or gotcha. form yeah and Tell, tell me, just help me understand, because you've got charitable giving and you've got philanthropy. Yeah. Um, I t- I t- I'm glad I got that right first time, to be honest. <laughs> help me understand the difference. Yeah, so I think there's, well, so I think there's charitable giving and philanthropy. The difference is, I think charitable giving tends to be a sort of a one-off, this sounds good, I'm going to give some money yeah. to that. Philanthropy tends to be a longer journey. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. a longer, and, and I think generally your people that give are, you have to identify with something yep. don't you, to make yeah, you want yeah. to give whether it's you know a 20 pound to cancer yeah. research yeah, or yeah. I'm going to make a year's commitment to this charity um, but I think philanthropy is more about having that passion and motivation and you you want to be on a bit of a journey yeah yeah is longer just term. a one-off yeah yeah. yeah yeah so we have some donors that are anonymous and yeah. say but you know I am passionate about tackling and it's generally people are affected by something in some way so yeah. Uh, we have a donor that says to us, you know, I'm really passionate about tackling elders' isolation. Gotcha, and, gotcha. You know, but he's a relatively young person, wants to remain anonymous, but there was a family member that I think he lost touch with. Okay. And then that they passed, he inherited some money and then felt really awful about that. And saying, actually, I just didn't really have a relationship with that yeah, person. Yeah, interesting. And so actually now yeah. I want to do something really positive. There's always a motivation there, always, isn't there? Always, yeah, always yeah, motivation. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, the other thing I was, I was thinking about recently was um, how you illustrate value, because obviously in the charitable sector at the minute, there's a lot of conversation yeah, around definitely. how you illustrate that the money's been spent well. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, so again, this is why we play a sort of a more holistic role rather yeah. than just directing people off to let them, you know, go and find their own way. So we'll go through the entire process. So we'll seek applications in from charities. We'll yeah. identify those charities ourselves sometimes yeah. and, and ask them to submit an application. Oh, yeah. And then we go for a few uh, full sort of due diligence process. So we'll mm. check their accounts, we'll check out the trustees. It's Hi. a full um, process. And then we'll assess applications that qualify against other applications yeah. and look at value for money. Yeah. 
etc. And then we'll make a recommendation or we'll sit down with the donor and say, look, you know, you've got a budget of X and you can only afford to fund two of these, but here's five. Yep. And let us talk you through and its pros and cons. And at the end of the day, decisions down to the donor in where they're drawn to, but they know that they've got, say, five quality applications and they can't make a wrong decision. Anyway, they're going to get a good quality outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah. And it's the one that resonates the most that often I'd imagine... imagine, uh, Exactly. So we could assess something and say, personally, you know, this is my favourite application, but you'll talk to the donor and they'll want something completely different because actually it's there's something in that application that just resonates just gives us something with them so gotcha and tell me a little bit i know you ran a philanthropy after i'm I'm gonna take that word (laughs) out of every single we keep saying what other words we use because they're exactly the same exactly (laughs) philanthropy tell me i know you run a philanthropy and i've said it way too much now club Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so the club is more about... So people come to us looking to donate at various levels, right? So you don't have to be a millionaire to be a philanthropist. It's based on what your means are and what you're passionate about. So don't think if you've got a £1,000 to spend or, you know, less, that you can't be a philanthropist. Like I say, it's about that journey and about being focused on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Philanthropy Club is about one of the things that we've been doing a lot more over the last couple of years, because deprivation is so high in the East End, is that giving... So we give... Our average grant size is around about 10K. And a lot of donors we speak to don't have 10K to give. Um, And so we brought a number of donors together just to say, how about if you collectively supported something? And so the Philanthropy Club was sort of born out of that idea. And so now it's £1,000 a year, of which 50% gets spent immediately, collectively, with the other donors. And then 50% goes into an endowment uh, that we're currently also giving 50% match to, just to confuse the 50%. Um, and so that they're, we're creating that permanent legacy. So long may it continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money will come yeah. through and support. And it's generally looking at supporting those small organisations. Yeah. So it's um, a pooled group of money where group. people can yeah. start that journey of exactly. philanthropy. I don't, I don't, I don't, literally, I'm going to ban that word. I know. I'm used to it now. now I, I think I've practised it enough, to be frank, <laughs> to, to, to do it okay. Um, th- to pulling that element together to deliver a result. That makes perfect sense to me. One of the things that always, and I I, I didn't give you this question because it's just sprung to mind, but one of the things that always intrigues me about the East End, Mm -hmm. because I'm from the East End um, uh, too, is that line between rich and poor. Mm -hmm. So you look at somewhere like Tower Hamlet, so on one side you've got Canary Wolf, and on the other side you've got areas of real deprivation. That always seems a bit of a dichotomy to me in terms of just having one area and you can cross the street and and find uh, people who are living a ultimately completely different life. Yeah. How do you cope with that change? I mean, it's an interesting one. Yeah, no, in, and it really is such a stark contrast. So, and even if you take Tower Hamlets as an example, you know, Tower Hamlets or Canary Wharf is the largest economic sort of yeah. powerhouse in, yeah, in yeah. Europe. You know, the financial. Um, sort of backbone of the country really and like you say literally across the road is some of the highest levels of deprivation one of the wards opposite has got the highest level of poor health in the UK we've got the highest level of elders isolation in Tower Hamlets and also the highest level of child poverty okay interesting and yeah literally opposite you know is these sort of big 
corporate institutions yeah. yeah and they've all got big programs to invest back into the community um, and again it's part of this message to to try and get them to work together because I think what we have at the moment is a bit of a sort of scattergun approach where they're all doing their own thing yeah but what it really needs is a concentrated Teamwork. effort yeah, to be able yeah. to change someone's life yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I mean there's lots going on and I think in a way I know this sounds a little bit mad but there's so much going on that I think if you're on the deprived side of the road it can be a little bit overwhelming so those buildings are really intimidating yeah, I think there's yeah, a lot yeah. of assumption that that's just not the world for me um which is wrong I think but Agreed. you know I think there's yeah, that yeah. general sort of all oh, I don't go there um and then I think you know it's such a fierce competitive sort of employment market um mm that again it's harder for local people to get a look in yeah 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 um, and again I think there are so many opportunities and that sounds mad it's so many that I think it just becomes overwhelming yeah yeah, yeah yeah and they just yeah. don't understand where they fit so I think uh, there's a lot of work that goes on in schools and I think even more needs to be done but just around raising aspirations and yeah, confidence agree with levels because agree with it's that. not necessarily a competence issue that they're not in those yeah. big shiny offices yeah um, it's confidence it's more of, isn't it yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's that lack of confidence to be able to go out and get you know uh, so so how much do you think community organisations play a part in raising those aspirations? Do you think there's a part to play? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think with schools as well um, and community groups, the youth clubs, exactly. And I think there is. I think there's a fine line. So I've seen it a lot, though. So I think there is that fine balance between people assuming or being told that they've got a right to be there because they live there and having the skills and qualification and, and motivation to be there. I think motivation or lack of it is a big factor in the, in yeah, the yeah, end yeah. also. Yeah. So we're seeing kids leaving with higher level GCSE rates than ever before, but we've also got the highest level of youth unemployment. Mm. And it's that gap in the middle. So yes, they're better qualified, um, but they just aren't ready for the world to work. So mm. there's a huge piece to be done. In what way do you think? Where's the where's I think the it's gap? It's just those soft skills and those employability skills. Yeah. So that sort of timekeeping attitude, yeah. all of those type of things that an employer yeah. wants the person to hit the ground running. That's what those young people yeah. are lacking. So there's definitely a part for voluntary sector and schools to play. But I have also been in schools where they're saying to young people, you know, you have a right to work on canoe. And it's like, no, 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 nobody yeah. has the right. You yeah. have to work really you hard. You have to earn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to yeah. work really hard to yeah. get there. And I think, again, I think in this day and age, young people with the internet and, you know, celebrity magazines, everything's about instant win mm. and, you know, I want everything right now. And I think they're struggling with that. Yeah. They actually have to work really hard and yeah. have to go through these steps. Um, I think they're missing that in this instant. So it's really interesting because I'm, I'm reading the, I'm reading the book at the minute. Um, I'm normally reading the book, to be <laughs> frank, but I'm reading the book at the minute about emotional intelligence. Right. And actually thinking about the skills you need for the workplace, certainly academic abilities is one part, but just having the emotional intelligence to know how to react to certain... Um, yeah. certain scenarios is massively underrated right yeah. um, and the other book that I read recently that applies to that is a book called The Marshmallow Effect have you ever heard okay. of no. The Marshmallow Effect so it's written by a guy oh I can't remember the guy's name now it's written by a, a scientist that um wrote it years ago and it talks about um, a test that they used to give five-year-olds and what they used to do is they used to put one marshmallow on the table and say um, uh, if you can not eat that in the next five or six minutes uh, we'll give you another one and you get to keep both then you can eat both okay. but if you touch it or eat it or taste it or do yeah. something with it you're then in a position where you only get the one 
Um, and there's a really brilliant YouTube video where they've created this experiment right. from the 60s of just these kids sniffing it and like looking <laughs> at it and turning away and stuff like that. But the interesting thing is, because they did the Walter Michels, the uh, scientist's name, the interesting thing is when they went back 30 years later mm-hmm. to these six-year-olds, the ones that uh, were healthier, happier, more successful yeah. were the ones that could delay gratification and not okay. have that marshmallow um, compared to the ones that could. Interesting. And again, the book's fascinating because it talks about the fact that that's actually a learned skill. So you mm. can learn that skill of understanding. It's like what you said about development earlier. You've yeah. got to play the long game, yeah. haven't you? You've got to do yeah. stuff now where it might not get an immediate result purely and simply because you want to benefit in 5, 10, 15, yep. 20 years' time. How do you explain that to kids? I don't know. I know. In, like I say, I think in, it, it's really difficult, and yeah. I think that is part of their frustration, is that because, you know, there are so many people looking for jobs now, you yeah. know, it's not... Or if you do, and I think that's what they've heard, isn't it? You know, if, if you do this, if you, you know, if you study it hard, if you go to university, there'll be a job at the end of it. And there's not. That's so the I start, think a lot right? Of young yeah, people yeah, are saying, yeah. So I've done all of that. Yeah. Now where's the reward? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh dear, no, it's a longer journey. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I think they're not entirely convinced. But yeah. um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I don't think there's there's an answer yeah. to it. I yeah. think you do, and I think that. But you're right. I think that you know this mar- marshmallow sort of experiment type thing is is exactly that. I think you have to build resilience you do. as well. You do. And it's not just about because you got a no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the world's What's falling next? apart. Yeah, and yeah. I just won't do anything. Then it's like no, actually, like, yeah. you know, get back on the horse. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, try again. again, and yeah, it, it will pay off eventually. Yeah. You know? And in fact, we've worked with some people that you know they've required a lot of sort of intensive support, um, but. There were sort of people that you could have easily said at the beginning of the process, oh dear, like, I don't know if this is going to work okay. or not. And actually have gone through, in fact, there was a young woman who had um, two young children and we developed a programme called Community Self Help. Okay. And, and we really believe in that as well. So this is, we do tend Empowering to Empowering people. Yeah, within, we yeah, people yeah. that do really want to make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, and we developed this program, and it was a it was it was funded it was funding post jobs for twelve months to be train people to be community development workers. So it was to be able to work with a charity to work within the community. Awesome. And the charity had to devise a job description, so it was a real job. Yeah. And it was young people, or it was a mix of ages actually, but predominantly young people coming through. So their post got funded for a year, and they had to work towards this job description. And at the same time, undertake um, a college program um, where they got a level three in community development work um, something like that and there was a young person and she was really trying she was really trying hard but she had two young children she was single parent um, and she was saying like life's just too hard like the if I do this and this benefit gets stopped and then if I don't get that benefit then the rent doesn't get paid and in which case I'll be in arrears and then I've got no money for childcare in which case I can't work anyway and so we worked really hard with her and spoke to Job Centre about it and tried to pull as many strings as we could to make sure that she because those short-term drivers are difficult to avoid yeah, when you're in that position, exactly. right? It's yeah, really yeah. is a really sort of vicious circle yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And um, but anyway, she stayed the course. She got a qualification which allowed her to go on to do to a university position. Yeah. And again, we found her a funder that would fund her university. Yeah, yeah. Sort of process. Anyway, she stuck with it, and um, at the end of it, she's now a qualified social worker. Love it. And this Love was a it. person that left school with no qualifications. Yeah, yeah. And you know, so we, we yeah, it, she did 
did require a lot of support. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just knowing the right place to go. Yeah. Well. So there are loads of charities that are doing Well, how, how many stuff. people give up because they just, they don't know who to speak to? Yeah. You know, it, it's about that network, yeah, isn't it, of having definitely. people you go, actually, have a chat with so-and-so about this because yeah. they can potentially support you and with it. And that's why we say to a lot of young people as well, that's what... In co- compared to, say, someone that might have gone to a grammar school or gone on to university compared to someone that's just yeah. come out of a, yeah. you know, a, an East End secondary... There's nothing wrong school. with East End secondary no, no, cops. there's not, but what they, <laughs> lack, what they lack is that network. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And again, so going on sort of courses, going yeah. to different places... Yeah, just, just building relationships. Going yeah, a little yeah. bit and speaking yeah. to new people. You yeah. just... And that's what other people have that these yeah. young people don't have. Yeah, that's interesting. So I mean, I, I, had a, I had a conversation with, uh, weirdly, one of my clients about this, and he said he sends his kids to private school because he wants them to build the, their network for the future. Now, when you're, when you're at a secondary comp in Cannon Town, yeah. you're not thinking in that way no. because you just don't know, but you realise the importance of, of a really good network when you're older, uh, and, but you have the opportunity to make it. Yeah. You know, you have the opportunity to do that yourself. But how many young people realise the importance of that at the time? I don't no, know. I mean, I wouldn't have done. No, exactly. I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't certainly. Have done definitely. Yeah. And, and that's... Yeah, and I think that's what it's about. It's about presenting them with opportunities. And we've run loads of courses, um, which we shouldn't really, we should just be funding them, but a couple of times we've stepped in and delivered. And what we've always said, it's about, we've said to them, you know, we'll open the door and get you in, but you need to demonstrate that you're worthy of staying. Yeah. You know, so we can only do so much, it's down to yeah, you yeah, to yeah, deliver. Yeah. But Abs- yeah, they need those door openers. That That's the difference, I would say. Yeah, just it's opening not... the door. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that story about the girl who started uh, along the journey, found it tough, but sort of thought through. What other stories do you really like that, uh, that, that you get to experience through your work at the East End Community Foundation? Yeah, I mean, there are just so many. I mean, elders' isolation is a big thing for us at the moment that we're, we're looking to tackle because, like I say, it's one in two into our Hamlet's Blimey. experience isolation. Yeah. Um, so loneliness, not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of that. And so we run different initiatives and we fund different initiatives. So sort of luncheon clubs, we do this Christmas food bag appeal. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is literally just door knocking and having a chat with someone. So yeah. the, the older person is definitely grateful to get the bag, but really they'd much rather have just a, a half an hour yeah. conversation with you um but yeah so from that it's been really lovely that we've got some people calling us back so this older guy um jim called and said i just want to say thank you for the bag um yeah thank you for the bag it was it was lovely and the lady that delivered it was marvelous and i had a really great chat with her and and then two days later jim rang again we had exactly the same conversation and then you know a week later he rang again and we were sort of oh. saying, do you think maybe he's I don't know, do you think so? Or maybe he's got dementia, maybe he's not realising. And um, It was just lonely, someone's, right? Yeah. yeah. And he said, oh, I just want, no. And so we said, oh, you know, you rang yesterday. And he said, no, I know. But it's just so nice to have a chat with someone and blah, blah. And then um, we said, well, let's tell you about some of the luncheon clubs and we're going to deliver you a leaflet. Great. And then he rang back and said, am I old enough to go? Because I'm 90. And we were like, yeah. <laughs> It would have been quite funny to say actually the age limit is ninety two to ninety three. <laughs> so not yet, so Jim. unfortunately, yeah. Jim, you, <laughs> you're, you, the, you're on the waiting. You're nearly there. Yeah. We're going to open one for ages eighty eight to ninety, and you might you might be a veteran in that in that one. I love that story. You know, you know, one of the charities that um, Russell's actually asked somebody to come on and have a chat with, and I really like the work they do. Is um, Silverline. Right. So Silverline are a charity, I think it was set up by uh, Esther Ransom. So yeah. she set up Childline and, and then set up Silverline. And effectively, they are 
volunteers who are at the end of, end of the phone so that anybody who's uh, of a certain age can phone up and have a chat. Yeah. And I just love that idea. Yeah, and yeah. they did some interviews, I can't remember what show it was now, but they did some interviews with people who, who were using the, the service. Um, and um, one particular lady they went out and interviewed said, um, I've got kids, I've got family, but they're busy and I don't want to bother them, so I use Silverline just to have a, have a chat every now and again. Part of me says that we shouldn't need that in today's society, but part of me says actually just having a service that tackles that sort of loneliness is really, really important, it's a real right? lifeline for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing that on a, I can't remember if it was a sort of comic relief thing or yeah. one of these, you know, um, appeal days a few years ago, and there was... Um, a video clip of this older woman who said her husband had passed away. She actually didn't have any children and she realised that something had to change when yep. on Christmas Day um, the only voice that she listened to was the answer machine message. Oh. And it was just like, how awful. Like, I just can't yeah, believe it. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, when you're not in that position, why would you think about someone in that position, you know, right? It just doesn't, it's not on your radar. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you only know what you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, and it was then that it really, it, well, I, I was devastated when I watched this video. Um, and it was just like, how can that possibly be? I can't imagine. Christmas Day for me is always like a real family, big family yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I just can't ever imagine, and I hope I'm never on yeah, my own yeah. on Christmas Day with yeah. no one to talk to or... You know, and so and then, and it, it just happened to be that I think there were some more studies around it then, and that's how it's really sort of come out. But um, but yeah, so it's one in two in Tower Hamlets, and um, but now Jim goes to a luncheon club. Yeah, he's got friends. Yeah. we organise, uh, we fund some day trips. He goes on the day trips. Yeah. Um, and again, he's saying, and and there are other similar stories. Um, there was an older woman that we got engaged. I can't remember how we came across her, but we sent her to one of the luncheon clubs and we were down that day, it was her first day, and we just happened to be there and she was saying that, um, yeah, she didn't really see anyone, the uh, lift in her block of flats had been broken for two weeks so she hadn't been out for two weeks and all of this sort of stuff. And um, the G- actually, I think it was the GP that referred her there and he was saying that basically, a bit like Jim calling us, that she'd go to the surgery two or three times a week and actually she had all of these ailments that, weren't particularly serious and you know um she just wanted to get out yeah and then we saw her i think it was something like three or four months later and we said oh how are you and she was oh i'm having a marvelous term this is my new friend and she was introducing us yeah, to people yeah. and um then we just said because we assumed that she'd realized why she was going to the gp we just said oh so when was the last time you went to your gp and she looked genuinely sort of confused and blank about why we were asking and she said oh i haven't been Oh, I haven't been for about three months now, and blah blah. And it, yeah, and we went. And it, we it was to purely and to, said, to exactly that. I yeah. think she was just lonely. Therefore, she was overthinking things. Yeah. She had one ailment after the other. Yeah. And actually, now that she's got this other intervention, you yeah. know, where she's got friends, she's getting a hot meal. Yeah. All of those things. Actually, she's just she's just not worried about those. Yeah, things yeah, gotcha, so gotcha. It's really great for sort of mental. But that self-support thing. I mean, how many people sit in their own homes and without that reach out would stay there um, that don't realise that there's other people that they can support yeah. and can yeah, support yeah, them like doing that. Exactly. I mean, it, it just seems a completely um, natural thing to do, but it needs somebody to get up and do it, right? That's yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly that. And I think, 
and that, again, that's sort of the role that EECF plays, right? Because we know this exists yep. and, and we know you want to do that. And yep. we know that they could do more if they had more money. Yeah, we know yeah. you want to give money. So yeah. let's just sort of broker yeah. it. Because a lot of the time it's not rocket science. Yeah. It yeah. really is just understanding. Just need somebody to organise it, right? Yeah. Do you run the lunchroom clubs or is it a charity that runs no, the so we clubs? Yeah, so we yeah. fund a charity to do okay. it. So on the Isle of Dogs, which is where this um, older lady who had been to the GP regularly that it was there but so we said to them actually if we can find you more money can you deliver one on the island yeah. so they're delivering one in poplar okay um and in the sort of further up uh, west in the borough but um yeah so we'll, we'll identify services as mm. well again if we can bring donors yeah. and say this is what's needed there's a real lack in this yeah area. yeah so yeah. we'll do a lot of that and yeah. in terms of expense i mean it, it like the organization takes a bit but actually running a lunch club can be done relatively leanly i'd imagine yeah I think, I mean, this luncheon club now, actually, so went from zero, I think there's about 40, 45 okay. on a regular basis yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's grown into, they now call it Healthy Living Club. Um, so they arrive at, I think it's 11 until 3, so they have their hot lunch in the middle, but then they break the hall into sort of four sections where one lot are playing games, board games. Oh, awesome. One are doing... So there's a few um, activities. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Project. They have a lot of doing armchair exercise. Okay. And yeah, they get to rotate and move around. And okay. Yeah, so it's really great. But I think, that costs under 10k a year yeah yeah, 40, yeah yeah 40 45 people yes. seems like decent value yeah, seems definitely. Good. so what's the what's the future hold for the organization well so i think definitely to grow because like i say i think the more people know about us the more people are looking to get engaged and, and on the flip side deprivation isn't isn't yeah. really changing at yeah, the moment. Yeah, so we yeah. want to make some real inroads there and then again i think it's a lot more of this collaborative work yeah. so yeah. we've set we've set up one for newham which is called newham giving it's a collaborative fund that's addressing um holiday provision for young people to yeah. keep them engaged and reduce asb yeah. in the area we're going to do something similar in town hamlets and there okay. will also be a similar in hackney they'll have different themes so we think in hackney it's going to be mental health because okay. we've got one of the highest levels of acute mental health yeah. in the uk into hamlets is probably going to be youth unemployment okay so okay. yes yeah, so and is that focused that. on the pertinent challenges in that in that yeah. area exactly okay yeah Interesting. and also slightly directed i mean we'll always work on where the needs are but we'll also be slightly directed in what donors want okay so if we said say hamlet's got one of the highest levels of you know elders deprivation which it has but from a corporate point of view they're not really interested in elders their focus is really on young people okay so we'd have a bit of a challenge there so we'll work with other donors to do something yeah. around elders. Yeah, yeah. But actually, we think there's a really great opportunity to bring those corporates together okay. and get them to focus on youth unemployment because they're all doing it individually at the moment, um, but aren't seeing the impact and uh, that they want. And and as corporates, they just don't have the necessarily sort of the mechanisms in place to be able to monitor impact yep. and evaluate yeah, 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 which yeah, we yeah. can do. And we're saying actually, if you come together, we've got a much greater chance of achieving. So economy of scale, yeah. bigger budgets, but also a more focused approach in terms of adding exactly. value. Yeah. Why do you think that provision is not changing in in the East End? So I think partly because of the regeneration gentrification all of those mm. things that are going on in that you've got a fairly transient community yep. so i yep. think those that are considered they don't necessarily consider themselves but are considered deprived when they start to move themselves up the scale they want to move out gotcha. they see that they want to move on to better things but then say in that social housing the next family moves in that may be yeah. unemployed yeah, and doesn't yeah. speak English so it's a fairly sort of cyclical yeah, yeah, yeah. process so I things might be down. changing just yeah. Yeah, yeah I do think things are slowing down because and again you used to get a lot of um 
which again is definitely slowing down. So more sort of professional couples moving in. There's lots of flats, apartments, yeah, but not yeah. many family homes. Yeah, yeah. So again, so they might settle down, have children, would look to move out of the area, gotcha. to move into a family home, or because they don't think the schools are good enough, so they'll move on, and then you just get another professional couple. Yeah, just, yeah. I mean, it all just keeps yeah, yeah. rotating. But um, I think now they're building more family homes. Education's much better. Yeah, yeah. So I think people are staying longer. So yeah, hopefully yeah. that sort of transition. And it does need a joined up slowing. approach, right? It needs everybody to talk together. Exactly, yeah. So I want to talk about how people can find out a little bit more about you. So we'll do that. One of the things we do on the podcast is we do uh, a question of the podcast, which isn't kindness related, but is just about all sorts of different stuff. And we never tell anybody that they're going to do this before they do it. Because uh, we want a a really honest reaction. So um, let me give you a few. None of it's too scary, Tracy, so I won't worry too much. But one of the questions that is the most contentious that we've ever asked and we asked it on podcast two so this was ages ago now um what's the best use of an egg is it an omelet is it boiled or is it cabbage creamed or is it something else oh it's definitely an omelet for me oh see i love an omelet yeah omelets are good right i'm not a chocolate fan okay cool yeah Yeah, yeah. so definitely scrap that one okay yeah what would you what would you have in your omelet cheese and spring onion Spring onion is a good choice. Yes, yeah, so I normally go for cheese and ham. Uh, next question was: Are most people generally good? I think so. Okay. Yeah, okay. I do think so. And uh, what's the most inspiring movie ever? Oh, that's a toughie. Oh, oh, I don't know now. I'm okay. Really okay. Do you want to come really back stuck. to that one? Yeah. Do you want to come back to that one? There's a few. Okay. Uh, what's your favourite piece of trivia? Oh. <laughs> I should, I, mean, pre- I should have prepped. I should have prepped you. All of these, all these deprivation <laughs> facts and figures that I'm giving you. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's in my sector still. Yeah. So, yeah. But there are about 180,000 charities in the UK. Blimey, that is a lot of charities. Yeah. How many of those are big, and how many? I mean. It's got to be loads of really tiny little charities, right? Yeah, they're lots of tiny. So you don't have to be registered on the Charity Commission um, until you've got a turnover of 10k or more. Okay. So, I mean, it still means you're tiny. Yeah. Um, but like I say, it's a lot of those really tiny organisations that may be the football clubs, the scouts, yeah. all yeah, of those yeah, that yeah. do really great sort of community Yeah, community-based community stuff. But they're not yeah. formally registered as gotcha. a charity. Um, yeah, so I think you've got one end to the other. So I think you've got a relatively small number of really big charities. So your Macmillan you know, your Marie Curie cancer researches. Yeah, yeah. And then you've yeah. got um, a lot of really tiny, and then the bulk are, are in the middle. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot. That's a, and it makes it tough for charities, um, mm. because, again, what they're not good at, they're good at generally, generally, um, not always, but they're good at their service delivery, but what they're not good, and they're not focused on profile raising. Yeah, marketing, you know, fundraising. Yeah. researchers of the world take over, because gotcha. they've got a huge you know, team of people dealing with that, whereas the small charity across the road that might be a self-help group for people with cancer, you know, run on £500 a year. And, you know, so... See, it's interesting because I was talking to somebody from a local charity the other day and they were saying that they've seen a trend in the other direction since... uh, I mean, it's awful stuff, but since Oxfam uh, had the the really negative publicity and actually their trend has been towards more people phoning up and saying, I want to see where the money goes. I want to see the real, true impact. And that's really 
it's a story that, that I had from talk, talking to one person, mm. but it's interesting how just in one small charity you've seen that trend. Uh, I don't yeah, know. And I, th- I, th- I mean, I think it's a, it's a natural question, though, right? You know, you give to, I think a lot of people used to just give to charity and not think about it. It was just felt like yeah. the right thing to do. And there yeah. was no, and then I think when you get these sort of things are being exposed, it makes you question. Yeah. And like I say, charities are no different yeah. to businesses. Yeah. You know, they're just run by people, yeah. we're all the same. Yeah, uh, yeah. So some are brilliant, some are not so brilliant. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think it's just natural. I think with things like Oxfam and then um, Kids Company, yeah, 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 that it just leads you. But like I say, I think they do tend to be the bigger, yeah, because they become machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a process yeah. It becomes you know, a bit more so, corporate, yeah, doesn't it's it? Less yeah, personal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you tend not to get that with the yeah. small. Good management and poor management happens in every single exactly. organisation in yeah, the world. It yeah, does. Yeah, it so. does. Okay, so. Um, you're really good at answering the charity-based questions, but yeah, Tracy, you let, you let me down on the movie. You let me down on the movie. You know what I want to say? I want to say The Blind Side. Oh, like that's a good film. film. That is a really good film. Is that yeah. Sandra Bullock yeah. about the yeah. American football, football player? Yeah. That's a great film. Yeah, yeah, it's a really great film. I like that one. Yeah. Ready for the next one? Oh, yeah, go on. So what ancient civilization would you go back in time and visit? Oh, you know what? I want to say the Romans. Okay, Why? I don't know why, okay. actually, but that's definitely what just jumped into my head. I was thinking, definitely not Egypt. So I've been to see the pyramids, and when I got there, I was a little bit like... <laughs> oh. Underwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, I was. So I don't yeah. want to go back into any of that. But So, no, I think the Romans, I think... Um, sort of infrastructure that they built, yeah. you know, all the roads, all yeah. this sort of getting us going. So, yeah, yeah, I think for that. What did the Romans ever time. do for us, eh? They did the roads and the aqueducts and, yeah, like, exactly. sort of everything. Not much. Yeah, yeah. Some stuff for us, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Rome is good. I, we've, had, we've had a few comments on that. We had Rome, Greece, we had sort of Norse, some Norse stuff. And then one uh, person we asked, and we do ask listeners as well to sort right. of to, to give comments in, said the 60s, and his his validation was that must be ancient because I remember it. So apparently, <laughs> apparently that's that's fair enough. Thanks for that comment, Chris. I uh, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. Um, the next one, and this this was this is our second most contentious question we've ever asked. What's the best biscuit? Uh, you know what? We have this debate in work <laughs> all the time, all the time. So for me, it's a shortbread. I, oh, I love a shortbread. Shortbread, shortbread was a popular answer, by shortbread the way. Biscuit. Yeah, yeah. Someone in work the other day said, oh, they were really moaning, rummaging through the biscuit tin and said, can we not get some more exciting biscuits? And okay. I said, what biscuits are there? And she said, digestives. And I said, what, oh, more okay, exciting shortbreads? Yeah, I'm well, not sure. I said, so what's really exciting then? She said, rich tea. And I was like, please, no, come on. Like, that's, no, that's, that's bland. the opposite end. That's, that's the opposite end you, to it. You don't put rich tea. If, they, if she said hobnob, I could see, exactly I could what see what the argument. Yeah, But she said, no. What about rich tea? And I was like, that, no, no, boring biscuit. No, that no. is not exciting. No, I, I, I ban, I ban all rich teas from the office. To I be would honest. too. I would too. <laughs> and so that that was our second most popular question, but our first most popular question. We asked it last week, right. and it's incredibly popular. Who's your favourite Muppet? I'm going to have to say Miss Piggy. See, nobody said Miss Piggy. Oh, no, like we had. Animal came up a lot. Right. Beaker came Beaker. up a lot. Beaker came Beaker up a lot. Right? The the chef came up quite a decent amount. <laughs> but people, loads of people Gonzo. went for. Gonzo had a couple of votes. I mean, he was like the sort of um, uh, fuzzy. So Charlotte's favourite was fuzzy. Right. Um, and then loads of people went off kilter and picked Sesame Street characters. And we had this debate oh. about whether no. 
Well, you I don't wouldn't... think it's Sesame Street, no. Well, it's Jim Henson, oh, so no. they sort of... They've sort of... Like, merged it. And, and it was like the, the Count and Big Bird. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced <laughs> that's right. But anyway, so thank you for answering them and apologies for keeping you on the spot. But I'm with you. <laughs> like, biscuits, let's go shortbread all the way, yeah, right? Um, so where can people find out a little bit more about uh, your organisation? Yeah, so they can take a look at our website, yeah. um, which is just EastNCF. Org. Okay. Um, they can follow us on Twitter. Okay. And um, yeah, we're just out there doing our stuff. Cool. And, uh, yeah. And what we'll dogs. do is we'll put loads of links on the show notes so you can find out what uh, the awesome work that Tracy and the East End Community Foundation are doing. So thanks for your time today. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much. Fantastic. Really enjoyed it. So, what did you think of the interview, Charlotte? Good. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Now, uh, I did. I did see Tracy recently. We interviewed the. Uh, we did recorded the interview quite uh, a little while ago now. But I did see Tracy recently because uh, East End Community Foundation did an event, yep. and the event was to celebrate the fact that uh, during the previous year they'd given away a million quid. So mm-hmm. out of the money that they look after and manage for donors um, and invest on donors' behalf to create this fund that they. Uh, that, that they, they yes. give away they'd actually given away, away a million pounds and, a, and that looks that's like a lot of money that's a lot of money and it made a difference in people's lives there's a really good report that I'll uh, I'll put a link to the show notes you slap on the website uh, I'll, I'll slap it on the website I'll just slap it on the website I'll put a link to the show notes just to show the impact that makes however however whilst Tracy is really good helping people being kind giving away money and making sure it's got an impact she did share with me that she was a bit disappointed about the trivia fact she gave me she wasn't too keen on it so what tips could you give tracy about good trivia good trivia is when you've been on the internet for hours and you've only just found it see the thing is tracy's quite busy so (laughs) i don't know if she's got time to spend hours on the internet the one thing i never do while looking for good trivia is search good trivia doesn't work so if you want to find a good trivia fact you don't search good trivia no how do you find good trivia well you pick a a, a specific subject that you want to know a bit of trivia about you're more likely to find a, a nice juicy bit of information that way gotcha but tracy uh, because I was giving her a, a, just a, a bit of a mild ribbon about not having good trivia, she did email me today yep. with a good trivia fact. She said, did you know that an apple, an onion and a potato all taste the same if you hold your nose? <laughs> now that is a fantastic piece of trivia. I'm not holding my nose. <laughs> Why don't we try that out right now? Should we get an apple, potato and onion and give it a I cut? think we're out of onions. I'm oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. We'll just try the potatoes, shall we? <laughs> oh, okay. So that was the interview. That was good. Yeah. No, we're, we're recording. Oh, sorry. I didn't realise. <laughs> I thought you'd stopped it. Should we? It's actually the end of the podcast. Oh, is it? Okay. Good, good, good for us. Good for us. So we've got a bit of a bumper into the podcast this time because... Why? Well, we had loads of questions about 
um, the question of the podcast. We've had some emails we've got to share. Ooh, um, emails. And, and, and we've got a bunch of stuff that people are um, jumping up and down about. Um, and before we move on to the question of the podcast, I got a message this week about something we talked about in the previous podcast. My dislike of gravy on a roast. Now, I'm not apologising for this, listeners. <laughs> if you want to have your Sunday dinner as a soup, right, that's entirely up to you. I disagree I, with them too, don't I, worry about I'm, it. I am choosing to eat my roast tasty and dry. I'm not having uh, a uh, bucket full of gravy on my lovely chicken, lamb. We never said you had to have a bucket full of gravy. Well, the way Mummy cooks it, it's, it's a bit like a bucket full, isn't it? No. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I might try a gravy again. I, I might go back to gravy. Thank you. But why, Thank why, you. why is it so important to you? Because your plate is so dry and barren. I don't mind. I don't mind. It's like a wasteland. Well, my, my Sunday roast isn't a dinner wasteland. <laughs> it's just the way I like it. It's not a dinner flood. That's what I don't want. I don't want... Mine's not a flood either. It's a bit of meat... A little bit of moist. <laughs> bit. Right, I don't think any food should be moist. I, mean, I don't want moist food. If if you had drier mashed potatoes, would you eat it? Dry mashed mashed potatoes. Exactly. Mashed potatoes aren't, aren't moist though, are they? They're soft. Anyway, we have been creating a bit of a challenge around um, whether we should have gravy, um, purely and simply because uh, apparently not having gravy in a roast is a bit sacrilege. So, listeners, it is sacrilege. we, we want to hear your we want to hear your take on that. And I've got a feeling, Charlotte, we definitely talk um, about food way too much. <laughs> yeah. Because the other email uh, we had this week is from friend of the show. Who? John Boy Cook. Who? Uh, who talks about the fact that uh, one of our most contentious um, questions of the podcast we asked was about biscuits, wasn't it? Yes. And do you remember somebody said, my favourite biscuits. Jaffa Cakes. Yeah, my. The, the, Jaffa, the, 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 the podcast debate of the century. Are Jaffa Cakes biscuits or cakes? Yeah. Ignore all those political podcasts and all those ones that discuss really sombre issues. We think the podcast debate of the century is is a Jaffa cake. A biscuit or a cake. A biscuit or a cake. Now, John has got definitive evidence about this, so should we talk about that? Yes. So, email from John. He started off with yo, 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 both, <laughs> for some reason. Not hi. <laughs> Hello. Yo, 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 bud, yeah. Yo, 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 bud. Uh, on the Jaffa Cake debacle. Uh, debacle. Debake-off. <laughs> oh, the great Jaffa Cake debake-off. That's a show waiting to happen. The Jaffa um, Cake debake-off. Legally, legally speaking, Jaffa Cakes are indeed a cake. There was a VAT value-added tax tribunal in 1991 when the whole matter was decided legally. Basically, McVitie's brought a legal challenge to get them classified as a cake, as cakes, chocolate-covered biscuits are subject to VAT, and cakes aren't. So they wanted it to be a cake so it wasn't chargeable to VAT. Um, They even brought a giant Jaffa cake to the tribunal. (laughs) I mean, that is just cool in itself. The panel considered many factors, and based on the name, Sponge Base, and the fact they harden when going stale, they found Jaffa Cakes to be a cake. 
Though the tribunal did accept, they are often used in place of a biscuit to dip a cup of tea. So that's definitive, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not have this debate about Jaffa cakes being biscuits anymore. Jaffa cakes are cakes. cakes. Didn't we get another email from John about our um, our mysterious background man? Uh, yeah, we did. We did get we did get an email from John about a mysterious background man. But I'm going to talk about that next week because we've got way too much suspense. We've got way too and um, mysterious man in um, uh, nobody knows me man. We're going to talk about that next week. You can't see me. I'm waving my hands we're, everywhere. We're gonna we're Ooh. gonna we're gonna extend the mystery of the Ooh. unknown man until. Until next week. However, we did ask a question last week, didn't we? Yes. And do you remember what that question was? Not exactly. Okay. So the question was, what was the last TV show you got really into and why? And we've had a bunch of really good answers. And let me share them with you. So uh, Jill Bedding said, uh, Madam Secretary... Uh, the reason she likes it is it's realistic, gentle nods to current affairs, sensible, thoughtful, and shows a example of ethical women in leadership. I haven't seen Madam Secretary yet. Me neither. No, I might give it a go. Uh, Rob Reed just simply said, Peaky Blinders. I haven't seen, <laughs> I haven't seen Peaky Blinders no, yet. No, me neither. Me neither. I might have to give that a go. Tasman Kane said, um, Safe. It was filmed locally and was pretty easy viewing. Now, mum's watched that, but I, I haven't watched it yet. No, yet. mum recommended it to me. I haven't seen it yet either. Is that the one with Dexter in? I don't know. I think it is. Um, uh, Mikey really struggled with this question. Now, Mikey was the man who pointed out that gravy was a should be included in every roast dinner and was really shocked that I don't have gravy. And he... He thought the question was too broad. And he said, can I have book adaptations? Can I have anime? And I oh, said, you can, have, you can have whatever you want, as long as it's not gravy related. Because I don't want any more gravy talk, all right? I'm not, I'm not having gravy. Um, and he thinks that's way too hard to answer. Now, I don't know whether it's too hard to answer because he wanted to include a gravy-related TV show, or it was just too broad. Too many animes out there. To, Gravy related? Are there any gravy related animes? There's a lot of cooking animes oh, well, that okay. have like gravy in them. Justin Gaffney, friend of the show. Ooh, we've got show. a lot of those, don't we? Well, we've got a lot of friends <laughs> of the show. Uh, the new Netflix Lost in Space. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Because it's a brilliant and great. Oh, brilliant and great? He likes it a lot, obviously. It's brilliant and great. Couldn't think of any more uh, synonyms. (laughs) Brilliant, great, amazing, bizarre. Astounding. Astounding. It's good. All right, (laughs) Justin, we know you you think it's good, all right? It's a brilliant and great modernisation of this 1960s classic with clever references back back to the original and subtle links. Like to its young central character, Will having a toy toy robot on the shelf in his living quarters that's the replica of the original show's robot so justin likes uh, lost in space apparently he thinks it's brilliant and great um and louise uh louise mcnamee who we saw a couple of weeks ago didn't we yes uh said suits and tasman kane also liked suits now i've never seen suits me neither but Meghan markle who is marrying prince harry and as you listen to this, he's probably already married to Prince Harry, was in Suits at one point in time. 
before she was. You know, before before this royal wedding debacle, I'd never even heard of her. I know, but she was an actress. <laughs> Doug Bennett likes the killing on Netflix. Gritty detective drama Ooh. over four series. Try Taxi Brooklyn. It's not gritty, but it's a detective drama, and loads of people die. Taxi Brooklyn is that an anime? No. What, Taxi Brooklyn, is that what Yeah, Netflix? yeah. What's that about? Uh, it's about this woman, and she's a detective, but because um, of her reckless driving, the her commander, her, her commander, her superior has told her that she's not allowed to use a cop car, so she uses a man from one of the, after she gets her car suspended, she uses a man who's like, he's really clever, and she gets him as one of her, like, uh, what are they called when you have like, informants in the city? Yeah, informant. She uses him as what one of... an informant, an informant <laughs> uh, there's a there's a shortening for it but she she uses him as one of her informant, one of her informants and he ta- he he literally has a taxi and he taxis her around brooklyn solving all these crimes together very cool and interestingly our next one from friend of the show john cook mm. um was brooklyn 99 <gasps> now that that's getting a sixth season that's getting a sixth season isn't it because yeah. that's so we like that uh Friend of the show and nan of one of the podcast hosts. Oh, that'd be me. Um, <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> not um, that'd be me. <laughs> um, uh, said the fall, a great gripping program. Couldn't wait for the next episode. But apparently, she also likes a little podcast called The Kindness Project. So that was nice of her to put in. She is biased. She's related to us, but. Uh, Bev Stoves, friend of the show. <laughs> we have a lot <laughs> of friend of the show. <laughs> this week, we've got a lot of friends. Said Ozark on Netflix. Oh, don't tell me how it ends. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how it ends. I'll tell you what it's about. It's about a financial advisor who becomes a money launderer. I don't think I'll be watching that anytime <laughs> soon. Um, and uh, Planner Girl said The Crown. The life of the Queen is fascinating. Is that the one with um, um, Jenna Coleman in it? Uh... Uh, I don't th- um, no, I'm not sure it is. Because she's been in something that has the Queen in it. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think the Crown's uh, got Jenna Coleman in. Adam Caroline said, two minutes to mention, but Suits again, Suits gets another vote. Um, or Game of Thrones, and we all know how brilliant Game of Thrones is. I'm going to read the books. Um, uh, again, Neil Beige said, Defo Suits, he likes Suits, but he also likes The Good Wife. Good friend. Um, <laughs> uh, and I like the good wife as well. It's got a bit um, of variety in um, life. I've got a good wife as well. She's, she's, <laughs> she's a bit awesome. She's an awesome wife. Uh, if I take using too many um, positive analogies, oh, she she just walked in the room as we're podcasting. She just popped up. She just popped up. She's a, she's a good wife. <laughs> she, she heard me talk about the good wife and just appears. Um, are you going to say anything for the podcast? No. Uh, she's not going to say anything for the podcast. But she did make a comment on the Facebook comments group for the podcast saying she really likes Line of Duty. You guys binge-watched like, watch that oh, like there was no tomorrow. You like, had to buy the third season. Line of Duty was incredible. And Russell, secret man, <gasps> editor of the podcast, Ooh. the man with only two names, Russell. or maybe three. <laughs> Russell, Just the man Russell known Dames. as Russell, Russell Dames, <laughs> um, likes The Walking Dead. Ooh. So... We've done comments, we've done emails, and we're getting a few more of them. We, You can get in touch with us, listeners. Do email a, us. In, in a bunch of different ways. Um, uh, you can email us at holla, H-O-L-A, at thekindnessproject.co.uk, or should we do Twitter? Holla. No! <laughs> Ola Kindness. With a H? With a H. With, with an H. Definitely with a H. I think it's with an H. <laughs> H-O-L-A. 
Kindness. Kindness. Uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter as well. But feel free to email the show. We really look forward to hearing from you. Facebook. Uh, uh, and you can... <laughs> We're going to get told off if you don't mention we, it. We always get told, told off by our producer and editor if we don't mention uh, Facebook. You can uh, get in touch with us on www.facebook.com forward slash Holocrimes. So feel free to do that as well. It's the same um, as all the others, don't the, worry. <laughs> the we did get we didn't get any stories of kindness this week, but one thing we did do is uh, get sent a um, a nice little phrase to remember. Um, before you speak, let your words pass through three okay, gates. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it right? Uh, right? Fine. <laughs> Are we going to get this phrase right? Can I just start again? Yes. Sorry. It's just like I've heard it before loads of times. So do you want to do it? Before you speak, let your words pass through three gates. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And on that note, listeners, have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.